and good morning. Good to see all of you here today, and uh, glad you're a, a part of Mount Calvary. Special welcome to those of you that are here today as a guest. Uh, thank you for coming. We hope you'll come back. We want to give you an invitation to come back and join us again uh, here at uh, Mount Calvary. Mount Calvary is about making disciples, and uh, you say, what's a disciple? Well, a disciple is one who's committed to following Christ, and uh, that's obedience, right? We're committed to obeying the Word of God. A disciple is one who's in the process of being transformed by Christ. Jesus said, follow me, I will make you. I'll, I'll transform your life. You follow me, I'll transform. And then a disciple is one who's on mission with Jesus. He said, I will make you to become fishers of men. And so as a disciples, it's about this. We're going to be obedient to Christ. We're going to watch Christ transform our life, and we're fishing for people like Jesus taught us. That's what a disciple is. So welcome to Mount Calvary. That's what uh, this church is really all about. I want to speak to you today on giving, and uh, we're kind of headed into what we call our giving challenge this, this coming summer. During the month of June, July, and August, we want to do a 90-day giving challenge. And here's what we're asking. We're asking you just during the month of May to pray. As a family, get together and pray. Because you may be here and you're not currently a giver to Mount Calvary. Uh, we want you to consider giving during the next 90-day giving challenge. We want you to consider giving 10% of your income to Mount Calvary during that time. Now, we said last week, for many of you, if your parents taught you this, it comes easy. For those of you that may have recently come to Christ and have never practiced giving, it's hard. And it's a step of faith. And you're going to find this. You're going to find there's faith and there's fear. And what will stop you is fear, but what will encourage you is faith. Because what you'll find is, uh, and what we're, we're challenging, the giving challenge is, is put God to the test and watch what God does in your life. And so we want you to pray. If you're here and you are a giver to Mount Calvary, we want you to just sit down as a family and pray and say, Lord, during these three months, what more could we do? And this is a reason, one of the reasons we're doing it, because we believe that obedience is critical. And we want to give you an opportunity to step on board if you're not a giver and become a giver, because we want you to be a follower of Christ, which means we obey Christ. And so during this 90-day challenge, we want you just to, to say, I'm going to trust God, I'm going to step out on faith, and I'm going to be a part of this giving challenge. One of the reasons we're doing this is we want to see all of you participate. Our, one of our prayers in this is that 100% of your church would get involved because we need you to be a team. We need you to be a team. And a team is, if, if any of you have ever coached in here, you know this. Every person on the team is critical to the performance of the team. And so you may be here, you're a teenager, you may be here, you're a child, you may be here, you're a young adult, whatever age group you're in, we want you to participate in this. And we'd like to see 100% of Mount Calvary participate in this uh, giving challenge. So during the next couple of weeks, we'll hand out a little card where you can uh, fill out and drop in the boxes back there, drop in the offering plates and just say, no names, we're not asking your name, we're not going to ask you how much you give. That's between you and God, we get that. But we want you to drop a card and say, I'm not a giver, and I'm going to take this 90-day challenge. I am a giver, and I'm going to give such and such more during this 90-day challenge. So for the next couple of weeks, we'll give out a card, and then in June, we'll start. And then what we want to do is we'll pass out story cards. Because we want you to start telling the stories of what God is going to do, because he is going to do stuff. 
And uh, he is going to work because when we put him to the test in this and we take him at his word, he will do things. And so we want you, as we go through this, to tell the stories of what God does in your life and uh, see the neat stories of God's faithfulness to us. We said last week there's really two kinds of people in our world. There's givers and there's takers. Or we could say there's consumers and there's contributors. Consumers are people who live their life for what they can get out of it. They're looking to accumulate. They're looking to get. They're consumers. And then there's contributors. There's people who live their life for what they can bring to it. Let me ask you this. Did you come to church today for what you could get out of it? Or did you come to church today for what you could bring to it? We should come today because we're not consumers at church, we're contributors. We came today to be able to give God the glory that God so rightfully deserves. None of us deserve it because all of us could go around the room and we could all look and say, you're at fault here, you're at fault here, you're at fault, I'm at fault here. We could all do that. But that's not why we're here. We're here because of what God did for us. So we're not consumers, we're contributors. We want to exalt the glory of God. We looked at Luke chapter 6, one of, one of the neatest verses in Scripture, I think. Give and it will be given to you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. And then Jesus said, for with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. The Apostle Paul kind of said it this way, you reap what you sow. He that sows sparingly will reap sparingly, he that sows plentifully will reap plentiful. Same principle that the Apostle Paul picks up. But we, we kind of went through last week and said, in this passage, there's a command and there's a promise. You give, it will be given unto you. Now, this is not prosperity gospel. We don't do this to get, to get rich off this. This isn't a get rich scheme. This is just a simple promise of saying, God's saying to you, you give, I'll give back command and a promise. There's a, in this, we saw there's generosity and there's grace. He said, your gift will return to you in full. In other words, God's saying this, you're not going to outgive me. You're not going to outgive me. It's coming back in full. And then he says, press down, shaken together to make room for more. Again, not a prosperity gospel, just Jesus teaching us some very simple truths about the concept of giving. And so God's generosity to you enables you to be generous, and the result of generosity is grace. We grace others through our giving because giving is grace. And then we saw there's a principle and a person. We saw in this passage, he says, for with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. He said, here's a principle by which it works. You sow sparingly, you reap sparingly. Sow bountifully, reap bountifully. A number of years ago, I was, uh, had the privilege of marrying a young couple. We did some counseling with them. It wasn't long after they were married, he came and he said, he said, I just got fired. And he was kind of shaken up because he worked at a specific institution. He said, I, I got fired this week. Then he told a, a little bit of story and I said, let's, let's just get together and pray. And as we got together and prayed, we said, tell me about your giving. Well, we don't give. Okay, what if? 
What if during this time you began to take God as word and on your wife's salary you just begin to give? Say, I don't know if we can do that. So really? And this couple said, we're going to start doing, we're going to start giving. And they began to give as a young couple, newly married, just lost his job, just starting out in their marriage and the whole world, and, and just getting going. And he lost his job, and they said, all right, we're going to make a commitment that off my wife's salary, as I look for a job, we're just going to begin to give. And they did. It wasn't too much longer. There was a guy in our church that was starting a business. He said, I'm looking for somebody. I need somebody to come work for me. And he, he said, I'm starting out a business, and I need And I said, hey, go talk to such and such. They met together, and they became partners in business. They had a wood flooring business. This guy became like in, in the eastern part of the country. He was like the third fastest wood floor layer in the country, and he just did phenomenal. And as they began to give, God began to bless. And as they began to give, God supplied their needs. Guys, that's how it works. That's how it works. And we said the person here is Christ. He's the one that gave the ultimate to us. So we looked at that. Now, I want to throw this up here because this is the culture in which you live. You live in a very take culture. And and this is, I kind of mentioned this to you last week. This is what someone threw this. I see on Facebook from time to time, tax the church. Now, let me ask you a question. If the government decided to tax the church... Would that affect any of your giving? If you lost the tax exemption completely as individuals and as a church, supposing that they taxed your church at 30%, and all of a sudden, 30% of your income, or what is it, 39% of your income right now, had to go to the government, would we be able to say 39% more is going to come in because we're going to give more because the same needs exist, the same opportunities exist? How would it affect us? You see, you're living in a culture that's a consumer-oriented culture. And what they're looking at is tax the church. We're losing a lot of money there. What they don't realize is how much the church pours into the culture. And it does. And that's why we're here. And as we look at the passage of Scripture today, I think you'll see that we're here to meet needs of others. 1 Corinthians chapter 16. Let's take our Bibles and go there quick, would you? Let's just read this passage of Scripture. You can take your Bible and uh, love to hear the pages rustling, or as now we say, love to see the glow on your face from the screen. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, Paul writes this to the church at Corinth. He says, now concerning the collection for the saints. Now, in Luke chapter 6, he was talking about a general concept of being a giver. In 1 Corinthians chapter 16, he's talking about money, the collection for the saints. And he says, as I directed the churches of Galatia, so you also are to do. On the first day of every week, each of you is to put something aside and store it up as he may prosper so that there will be no collecting when I come. And when I arrive, I will send those whom you accredited by letter to carry your gift to Jerusalem. If it seems advisable that I should go also, they will accompany me. Now, I get, I, let me, 
I'm going to give you a message today the way I kind of did them for a lot of years, this way. The textual idea of this passage is this. In this passage, or in these verses, the Apostle Paul pleads with the Corinthians to give to the poor believers in Jerusalem. That's what these verses are all about. That's the idea of this text. He wants them. Now, to put this in context, the book of, as Jonathan was mentioned earlier, Corinthians is an interesting church, the church at Corinth. In fact, more ink is probably given to the church at Corinth than any other church in the New Testament. In addition, history tells us there's probably two other letters that were written. There may be a third Corinthians, and there possibly was a fourth Corinthian letter. Third and fourth Corinthians didn't get in the New Testament. But there may have been letters written by Paul to this church. This is a very dysfunctional church, Corinth. Corinth had all kinds of problems. As you get into the book, there was division in the church. I am a Paul. I am of Apollos. So there's division in this church. There was sexual abuse in this church. There was, there was incest in this church. And Paul writes in Corinthians to talk about the incest that's going on in the church. Someone's having their relations with their mother. And Paul writes to say, this is kind of dysfunctional, don't you think? He writes because there's lawsuits going on among believers. He writes because they're misusing the gifts that they were given, the spiritual gifts of tongues and of healing and all of that stuff. This church is just abusing and misusing. So he has to write a couple chapters about spiritual giftedness and how spiritual giftedness works. Then he has to write to him about communion, which you participated in this morning, because when the Corinthians came for communion, they came, they're getting drunk. Right here this morning, when we would have done this, if we would have been at the church of Corinth, they would have said, pass the bottle. And they're getting drunk at communion. Now, can anybody here visualize that? So Paul has to take time in chapter 11 to write and say to them, guys, that's not what this is about. It's not about you're getting drunk and you're doing all this. It's about God. And it's about celebrating what Christ has done for us. And finally, Paul has to write about giving because they're dysfunctional in giving as well. This is an unhealthy church. This is a dysfunctional church, Corinth. And he just writes and writes and writes, and he gives principle after principle after principle. Say, why? Because in a lot of cases, most churches are dysfunctional, if not all churches are dysfunctional. And he lays down the pattern, and he shows us, listen, you can't find a perfect pastor. You can't find perfect people. You can't find what we want. It's imperfection. It's dysfunctional. I want to ask you a question because I want you to think this through. I mentioned to you last week that the people here that do some finances came and said to me that I was asking, what percentage of Mount Calvary gives? And the answer that came back to me from, from uh, I think the treasurer I'm not, was this. As far as we can tell, about 50% of the people Mount Calvary give. Now I want to tell you two things. I want you to think this. One, most church experts would tell you, if you have a church that 50% of the people are giving, that is a tremendous giving church. Right? You've heard that. But I want to ask you this question. If only 50% of your body functioned, 
Are you functional or dysfunctional? If only one of my arms and hands, if this is the only one that works, or only one leg works, am I functional or dysfunctional? See, when we look at it from comparing ourselves to other churches, you look good. But when we look at it today from looking at Scripture, we're not going to look so good. And so Paul pleads with the Corinthians. And I want you to see carefully today how he pleads with them. He's kind. He's as gentle as he can be. And yet, he's very firm. And so as you come to this passage of Scripture today, what you get is this. From this passage, you can learn the principles that should govern your giving as believers. Now, here's one of the problems. I can't afford to give. Okay, then what's governing your giving? Well, I, I, you know, I, I, we got this. Okay, what's governing your giving? And in essence, what's governing your life? So Paul's going to challenge us deeply today. And as we put this whole concept of this sermon together, what I want you to see from this passage is this passage is going to present principles that you need to commit to. So if I can say it in a sentence, here's the message in a sentence. As believers in Jesus, our giving should be governed by biblical principles. It's that simple. Not the economy, not the circumstances. The Bible. And that's what Jesus was trying to teach in Luke chapter 6. And that's what Paul is affirming to the church here at Corinth. Now, I want to take you through, and I want you to see the principles here, because this is the giving challenge. The challenge isn't how much I give. The challenge is this. Am I going to allow my life to be governed by principle? Specifically, biblical principle. Or am I going to allow my life to be governed by anything else other than that? That's the giving challenge. And today, if you would commit to simply living by biblical principle, what the scriptures is going to say to you is this, giving will take care of itself. Make sense? So principle number one, let's talk about the purpose of giving from this passage of scripture, the purpose we give. He says in verse 1, for the collection for the saints. What happens is there was a need in Jerusalem. The city of Jerusalem and the believers of Jerusalem were going through a very hard time. So Paul writes to the churches of Galatia, Corinth being one of them, he says, I want those of you in the region of Galatia to take up an offering. And then I'm going to gather from all those churches a different offering. I'm going to take it down to Jerusalem, and I'm going to give it to the believers of Jerusalem because there's needs there. Now, what you see in this passage is this. Our giving should provide foremost for the saints. In other words, take care of the family first. 
And what he's saying to these people at Corinth is he said, there's needs in Jerusalem in the lives of believers. And I want you here because now you have the potential to give. Put this offering together so that we can take it to those who are believers in Jerusalem who have tremendous needs. And so our giving should care for the needs of other believers. That's a priority. That's a priority. It needs to be a priority in your church. How much of your giving goes to actually care for the needs of people here? I have this little belief. I'm going to throw it at you. You can throw it back if you want. Sometimes we get, we get real excited about foreign missions. And we should. I'm not saying don't. But I wonder this. What if, without diminishing what you give to foreign missions, what if most of your missions offering went into Elizabethtown? What if the next portion of your giving went into the region in Pennsylvania where you live? And what then if it went to the regions beyond? I think sometimes we're so focused on the regions beyond, which is a good thing, that we're not focused on what's going on right here in our town. Heard a story this week, an individual up in Troy, Pennsylvania, they were in a church in Troy, and their son committed suicide. This is the church members. These are people who are part of a church in Troy, Pennsylvania. And their son, I want to say 14 or 15, committed suicide. Broken-hearted parents. None of us here, unless you've been through it, can even begin to imagine. But God began to deal with their hearts. And God began to impress on them a ministry that they needed to do because in their town, their son was just one of many. Young teenagers who are taking their lives. And God impressed them, and they opened this thing called a door of hope. And they, as, as two people in this church, just began to open their home and start a ministry called a door of hope, ministering to parents who have lost kids through suicide as well. And the pastor, as he was telling, said, we baptized four adults this past week. I'll tell you, folk, I think sometimes we're so focused on foreign missions that we forget what's going on in E-Town. And what if, what if you're offering for E-Town and the needs for people in E-Town was bigger than your offering for foreign missions without diminishing your offering for missions? What if your focus went instead of out there toward here to here toward out there? The purpose of giving, touch those closest to you with your life. And if all of you touch those closest to you here, your ministry will be even more effective worldwide because it's hottest here at home. You see, our giving should extend to the needs of the world, people in the world. I think this is creation to Christ. I want you to think about this. 
because we keep hearing creation to Christ. And what I want to tell you is I think here's the challenge. If we address physical and spiritual needs, we do this. Physical needs are the window to spiritual needs. Listen, I grew up in that age where we went up and knocked on people's doors. And I did this as a kid. Do you know that if you died today, you'd go to heaven? Many times we'd come back to church and celebrate how many doors were slammed in our face. Every now and then we'd reach people. But what we did, we showed them we were concerned about their spiritual needs, which we should be. But we're only going to be able to show them that we care about their spiritual needs if we show them that we care about their physical needs. I didn't know this until my kids, my grandkids go to school in the town. And where they go to school, my daughter helps out in the school and found this out. In Quakertown, Pennsylvania, which is Upper Bucks County, which is a very influenced section of Bucks County, okay, there are kids in the school, more than one, that don't have blankets to sleep under at night. They don't have blankets. They go home, and when they crawl in bed at night, they don't have a blanket to cover them up. Don't you think as a church we should address that? This is a community. And I said, as a, I didn't know that. I didn't know that. That there's kids in the town that don't have blankets. One of the problems is this. If you give them a blanket, guess what their mom or dad might do with the blanket? They're going to sell it because they're trying to get money for drugs. This is our culture. And what you have to understand, I think what I have to understand is this. If we don't get involved with the people in town, if we don't know what their physical needs are, if we don't know what's going on, then we're... We're, we don't realize that creation to Christ is minister to their physical needs. It's the window to their spiritual needs. That's what Door of Hope is doing up in Troy, ministering to their physical needs because they've lost kids to suicide. And they're able to open the door to their spiritual needs. The purpose of giving is to minister to the needs of people. That's why we give. Now, is it a biblical principle? We give because Christ tells us to give, yes. But we give because we want to meet needs. The second principle in this is the plan of giving. This passage says very carefully, on the first day of every week. There's a lot of implications of this, one of being that early church met not on Saturday but on Sunday. We could talk, but that's not the emphasis of this passage. The emphasis is here. You can see it. On the first day of every week. See it? That's the plan. It's real simple. On the first day of every week. So it's real simple. It's systematic. It's regular. And it's scheduled. Your giving should be that. Systematic, regular, and scheduled. And it looks something like this. Week after week after week after week 
after week, after week, after month, after month, after month, year, after year, after year, after year. That's the plan. So Jesus says on the first day. Now, a little bit different in the culture because they probably were paid every day. They did a day's work. They got a day's labor. Some of you get paid for the month. Some of you get paid every other week. So I don't know how you put all this together. So we'll, we'll look at the next thing, but on the first day of every week, every week, every week, every week. Simple. Your giving is to be planned and scheduled. Now, let's look at principle number three, the place of your giving. This gets, can get controversial here. There's uh, theologians take this in a couple different directions, but I think it's pretty simple, to be honest with you. It says, each of you. Now, I want you to notice something. Each of you. You see it? It doesn't say half of you. Right? I think this is a great thing to do. I think if you have kids, your kids should have something put in every week. You make sure your kids have something put in every week. Each of you, every single person, every person who's a part of the church at Corinth, Paul says, all of you. He doesn't say every adult. He says, each of you. So you have here 100% participation, and that should be your goal. That should be your goal. Because if you had 100% participation here, you'd be in town meeting the needs of, man, you, you would have so much money, you'd be sitting together, what are we going to do with all this money? How can we properly distribute it? How can we meet needs? What can we do? But each of you is to put something aside. Now, here's what this means. Set it aside during the week. So these people, to put this in context in Corinth, these people are paid every day. Day's work, a day's wages. When you come home with that day's wages, take a portion out of that and set it aside. Go to work the next day, come home, take a portion of that, set it up and set it aside. And you did that for six days a week, take it, set it aside. So as you're paid, set it aside. So when you get paid, whatever you get paid, however you get paid, take the first portion of it and set it aside. Just set it aside. He's just, he's very carefully, very specifically teaching this church in Corinth how to do this. Take the first part of what you are paid, set it aside. And then he says, then Bring it to the store. Bring it to the treasury. It's an interesting concept here. The word store in this passage of scripture, that word right there, store, is an interesting word. It's the Greek, it's a word that would be translated today in our language, thesaurus. Okay? Greek word is thesaurus. You know what a thesaurus is today? I have trouble saying that 10 times fast. A thesaurus, a thesaurus. Thesaurus is a treasury of words. The idea of that word store there is bring it to the treasury. Old Testament temple people would have understood this 
It clearly, because in the temple there was a treasury, and they would bring their money and put it in the treasury. And what he's saying in this passage of Scripture, daily pay, set a portion aside. Set it aside six days a week. Just set it aside. Set it aside. And then on the first day of the week, bring it and store it up and put it in the treasury. That's the church. Very carefully in this passage of Scripture, he teaches us the plan, and he teaches us the place. So what you're supposed to do, based on biblical principle, is when you get paid, set a portion aside. And then on the first day of the week, take what you've set aside and bring it and put it in the storehouse. Put it in the treasury. That's a giving challenge. See, I've never done that. I don't know if I could do that. Yeah, you can. Yeah, you can. You try it. In fact, I'll give you a challenge. Most, most of us here like to stop at, uh, say, Starbucks or Dunkin' Donut. You know, America runs on Dunkin'. We like our coffee. Do, do this. Try this for one month. Instead of taking the money that you give to buy your coffee, set it in a jar aside. Just set that money aside. Because you may miss the coffee, but you won't miss the money because you're going to spend it anyway. And store it up and just start giving and start giving. Some of you, what, we're, what we know today is so much of our culture is so buried in debt. And you say, I have such debt, I don't know how I can do this. Just do a little bit. Just begin to do this. Just start with 2%. Just start with 5% and set it aside. And on the first day of the week, bring it and put it in the treasury. What Paul's teaching them, that's a challenge. Principle number four from this passage of Scripture. As he may prosper. What Paul is saying in this passage, you are to give as you have prospered. In other words, as God gives you more, it gives you the opportunity to give more. That is the New Testament principle of giving. And it's as God gives to you, you give. I love this because he gives us liberty in this passage. He doesn't, in the New Testament, lock into a percentage and say, you got to give this percentage, this percentage, this percentage. In the Old Testament, it was, I think they gave three tithes, 23 or 30 percent of their income. They gave a tremendous amount, but there was kind of a taxation system in the Old Testament because some went to the temple, some went here, some went there. In the New Testament, I think what God does is he frees you up and says, here's what I want you to do. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to have faith in you. And here's my faith in you. My faith in you is I want you to give as you prosper. To how much is that? That's your decision. You make that decision. And that's God exercising faith in you. So the more you have been given the more you are to give. Now, that is challenging, but that's the principle. It's like the guy who came a number of years ago to his pastor and said, Pastor, I've never given. And the pastor said, well, how much are you making? He said, 400 a week. He said, well, start giving $40. $40? Yeah. And so he did. He gave his $40 every week, and God began to prosper him. Next thing you know, he's making $4,000 a week. And he finally comes to the pastor. He says, am I supposed to give $400 a week? 
And the pastor said, no, if you want to keep giving $40 a week, I'll pray that God takes your salary back down to $400 a week. This isn't rocket science stuff, but it is very challenging stuff. Principle number five, let's talk about the disbursement of this because a lot of this in this text is dealing with this issue. It says, when I arrive, I will send those whom you accredited by letter to carry your gift to Jerusalem. And if it seems advisable that I should go also, uh, they will accompany me. This is Paul talking. There's a couple things here that I think are important to see. One, biblical principle, your responsibility is to give. My responsibility as a believer is just to give. Because it's biblical principle. The second thing in this passage is this. Church leaders are responsible to disperse it. That's what Paul... Paul's telling them, take an offering for this. Your responsibility, my responsibility as a person, is to just give. Leadership's responsibility is disbursement. Now, I'm going to make this point to you. Money should never be used as a wedge to sow displeasure or to show control. It should not be done. Well, I don't like what's going on, so I'm going to hold my giving. I wouldn't do that. Because to do that is to violate almost every principle in this text. My money is never a wedge to show displeasure or even to show pleasure. That's not operating by biblical principle. That's operating by self-governance. And that's not going to work. And so I've challenged in this because I've seen this over and over. Simple obedience is the challenge. Now let me just review this and wind it down real fast. Music guys, if you want to come on, let's come on up now. Let's review this. Let's ask this. Is my giving purposeful? Do I understand that my giving is so that needs can be met? Is my giving purposeful? Let's ask this. Is my giving planned? You may be here today and it's not. You know, sometimes in cases like that, if it's not planned, your giving is out of control. And if it's out of control in this area, chances are it's out of control in other areas. And if you can get finances in control in this area, a lot of times what happens, it helps you to get finances in control in other areas because you do this first. So is it planned? Is it systematic? Is your giving properly placed? Is it proportionate? Or am I attempting control with my giving or simply seeking to be obedient to God. See how gentle Paul is with him? And yet see how firm he is with him? The whole point of this thing is this. Giving is to be done by principle, biblical principle, because this is what God expects of our life. And we, as disciples, are committed to following Jesus and being obedient at every turn. Get it? Paul would write and say this to you, but as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all earnestness, and in our love for you, see that you excel in this act of grace also. And then Paul says this, 
Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. You know how I like to look at church sometimes? This is the believer's happy hour. Think about it. The world has happy hour. It's self-indulgence. This is the believer's happy hour. Because we get to come. One, we get to be together. Two, we get to sing and exalt God. Three, we get to be challenged by his word. Four, we get to give. And God loves hilarious givers. Two weeks ago, I was uh, in Atlanta at a conference, and one of the speakers, his name was Bob Goff, and he wrote a book called Love Does, and if you haven't read that book, I encourage you to read that book, but uh, incredible guy. He set out to write a book, and his desire to write the book was whatever he made on the book, he was going to start schools, and uh, he thought he'd sell a few copies, and, and he wanted to start building schools in India, uh, because in India, they wouldn't teach girls because they were girls. And he said, I got a girl, and that's wrong. And his book had sold millions and millions of copies, and he's given all his proceeds to build schools and war-torn and, and, and areas across the world. And, uh, and in the back of his book, he put a cell phone number. And he said he gets 100 calls a day from people just calling him. He said one guy calls him all the time and just curses at him. And he put, it, he put it in his cell phone, it's, it's a cursing guy. And uh, he just answers it. And he just says, you know, what can I do to help you? How can I pray for you? And I was thinking about Bob's life. It's a life of giving. He's, he's given resources that maybe I don't have to give to help schools and help uh, all over the country. But he also gives of his time. He answers his cell phone and just interacts with people. As we leave here today, hopefully we're challenged to be people who give. Because Christ has given to us, and we have, we have a message to give, we have hope to give, and we, we have help to give for those who need it. And so hopefully uh, we've been challenged as we leave these doors that... Uh, we walk out here with the idea that we want our lives to mean something. And if you've ever heard Bob or run into him, man, he's the kind of guy you want to be your friend. He's contagious. And he's got a heart that just overflows with love, and he just wants to give to help people. Would that be our prayer as a congregation, that we would choose to show love and to give those who we come in contact with this week, just to give to them, just to serve them, just to give time and, and help them. And man, if we do that, what an amazing impact we could have this week and every week. Hey, thank you so much for being here this morning. If you're a guest, again, thank you so much. Uh, stop by the Welcome Center. We have a little gift that we'd love to give you. But hey, as we leave here this morning, let's leave to give, to show those around us the love of Christ. Thank you so much. Have a great day.